0: Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing, and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, and you're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. And I always love connecting with our audience here uh, at our Virgin Most Powerful Radio family. Thank you for tuning in. Um, If you have been listening to our shows the last couple weeks, I've been discussing a few different things. I know, as always, here in the clinic, we talk about uh, our health, our mental health, our spiritual health, and our physical health as well. Um, You know, we're three in one, and I think that it really reflects. I I think the reason that we're made that way... I think God wanted us to understand a little bit more about what the Trinity might be like. You know, we are three in one. God is three in one. He's, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I think I can understand that a little bit more, obviously, maybe just a minuscule amount. I'm sure that I understand a millimeter's worth of what God really is in terms of the Trinity. If I say to myself, well, I'm really kind of three in one myself. You know, God made me, God made us three in one. He made me have a body. But if somebody were to tell me, hey, all you are is a body, I would say, well, no, I, can, I have a mind too. Well, show me the mind. I can't really show it to you, but as we talk, you, we realize we each have minds. And then, you know, the, the most hidden one, I think the, the smartest one to hide in this battlefield of earth, the spiritual battlefield is the soul. And how do you find somebody's soul? Well, today we're gonna talk a little bit about that. Um, and I hope that we're gonna end up finding our souls through treatment. Um, and how are we gonna treat ourselves? In the last few shows, we've been talking about um, if you tuned in, you know that there was one show about St. Catherine of Bologna. And I wanted to share that uh, that story of St. Catherine for any of you who didn't hear about that show. Um, because she was a saint who struggled with depression. And she also struggled with demonic influences. Um, and so that's very important because obviously that's a lot of what we talk about here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. How can I tell the difference between, say, being depressed the way uh, St. Catherine was and being influenced by the devil? And sometimes it's hard to... To separate the two and sometimes both are happening at the same time. Um, so that's one thing that we talked about. And if you haven't heard her story, she wrote a book um, on the the seven weapons that she used to fight the devil. Them Small book, uh, but it is thick uh, in terms of the content. It is a little bit dense. So even though it's short, you might want to take your time to read that. Um, if you are going to pick it up, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful book. In um, the last week, we talked a little bit about what is it like to have mental illness? And I uh, looked at an article online um, because I wanted to hear from people what their experience is. Sometimes we're not always willing to share it with our friends, with our families. Sometimes we can't take that time to really explain ourselves. But sometimes we're really good at expressing ourselves through the written word. And so sometimes it's interesting to look online and see what do people share? What what are their thoughts? And we went through that. You can catch that show uh, from last week if you're interested. But I think that it's important to hear what people have to say. Today, I want to talk a little bit more about treatment. And so what does this mean? Because we're going to listen to our fellow person. We're gonna see what does it mean to live with mental health? We can apply this to physical, chronic, physical illnesses as well. If somebody's struggling with diabetes, if somebody unfortunately has cancer, um, if somebody has anything that they're not sure where this came from, why they're afflicted with it, and what does this mean? Does this mean that God doesn't love me? Um, where is God in this? Uh, we we wanna look into that, and today I wanna to talk about a few things. How, what's the real treatment that we have And how do we approach it? How do we make it work for us? Um, But before we get started on that, let's say a prayer to Our Lady uh, and ask her to intercede for us. And here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we can say in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, as we go through life and these things happen to us, um, we forget sometimes. And by these things, I mean any kind of illness. We have mental illness or we're suffering with depression, anxiety. If we've been diagnosed with something like bipolar or schizophrenia that we really feel we can't share with either friends, loved ones, or the public because we don't want to be judged and they might not understand. And sometimes we don't even understand. How do we go about treating it? And that can be a scary, scary question for multiple reasons, because the unknown comes up. So the way I'm going to say that we're going to treat this is actually with the virtues. We forget that we have tools outside of, well, I should say working with the tools that we already know that we have in terms of going to a doctor, getting medication, alternative treatments, what do we do um, with that? We forget that we also have these spiritual tools that we are not always making use of. We don't know how to make them work for us. You know, sometimes we we hear about the virtues and we think, oh, I, this virtue is so wonderful, and this virtue, you know, the the virtue of of uh, uh, chastity and, and you know prudence. And we hear all these things, and it's almost like we hear about these virtues, and and it's almost like we worship the virtue, virtues, if you will. We we learn about them. We think these virtues are so great. And we forget that these are tools that God gave us to use. It's kind of like when God said, you know, the Sabbath was made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The virtues were made for us to use. It's kind of like almost the equivalent of, you know, as a guy, I love my tools, right? I've got my tools at home and my wife's like, why do you love your tools? Because they help me do things. But if I sit there and I just look at my tool and I just admire the tool, but never use it, what good was that tool for me? What, what good did it do? It's just sitting there. And how did did I use it to build something? Did I use it to fix something? The the tool is only as good as we put it to work. And I think that that's true of the virtues as well. We got to keep it simple too. We can look at all the virtues in the Bible and we can get overwhelmed by that. But I would dare say that when it comes to healing, I want to keep it simple. Christ taught in parables for a reason, because he wanted, he wanted us to realize that we don't have to get that complex. The kingdom of God is for everybody and healing is for everybody. The virtues I'd like to focus on are just faith, hope, and love. You know, as St. Paul tells us, uh, and, uh, it's in Corinthians and it's first Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And now these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let's build on that. Let's look at these. Let's look at them one by one and see how I think of them and how I apply them to treatment for my patients when they come in for mental health. You can apply them any way you want, any way that you feel inspired by God to apply them. But the main thing is to apply them. They're tools for us. Let's use them. So the first thing I look at is faith. And I think, you know, with faith, we talk about faith and we talk about, gosh, God can't work through us if we don't have faith. When we look at the Bible, Jesus could not work miracles when people didn't have faith in him. Now, Jesus is God. He's all powerful. We realize there is no limit to God. There's nothing he can't do. Yet he gives us the power to work on having faith in him, which is an infused virtue. We have to ask for it as well. Right, It's not something that that comes naturally. We have to ask for faith. These come from God. So we have to pray for this, which means that we have to trust in God. Um, And really faith I equate to when people come in uh, to clinic and they say, what can I do for myself? And I think that the first thing, obviously, as a doctor, I think, well, let's evaluate your symptoms and then what am I going to prescribe you? right do i prescribe you something here is there a medication that you need and that's what we go to first why because that's what we study you know when you go to medical school that's the main thing you study you look at what's the normal process or what do we how do we expect the body the mind to work then we look at what we call pathophysiology, which means what happens when it breaks down? Really, what's going on with diseases? What are they doing to the body? And it's important to look at where do these diseases come from? How are they affecting the body? Let's get the methodology down, because then we know, okay, now that I know how that disease is is working, what it's doing to the body and why it's affecting it the way it is, now I can treat it, right? Now I wanna go in there and fix it and apply the correct medication to it. So automatically, we go to medications perfectly normal for there to be a fear for there to be a concern and say, doc, I don't want to take medications. And let me tell you, uh, there's, there's lots of reasons for that. I wanted to read a few emails and I want to thank all of our listeners who have been sending me emails and anybody who I've called. I, I really, uh, appreciate, uh, your emails. And I, I don't mind reaching out when uh, you have questions or there's things that you, you need answers to. Um, And, you know, a quick call sometimes, a quick conversation, and and you get your problem solved or you kind of know where to go um, afterwards to get that done. But, you know, this topic came up for me because one of the readers sent me a message that said, Dear Dr. Sandoval, I feel like a guinea pig. Every time I go in for treatment, um, actually, let me back up a little bit. I suffer from depression and anxiety. Every time I go in for treatment, it seems like all they want to do is throw another pill at me. I feel like a guinea pig. They tell me that we need to wait and find which one works, but nothing has seemed to work for me. What do I do? <clears throat> so really the, the situation is this. When you come for medical treatment, I understand where you're coming from because what we do is in mental health, we prescribe you medication, but we don't always guarantee that it's going to work. And that can be very, very challenging. You know, if you come to me and I'm treating your diabetes or I'm treating your high blood pressure, it's much simpler. It's, I have a rubric because I say, well, I see what your body's doing. I can run some tests and take a look at whether it be the numbers that your blood pressure are showing in your systolic and your diastolic pressures, or I can, you know, run some tests on it. You do some blood work and And see what's going on in your body. Do I need to adjust anything as far as, say, you have diabetes? What are your sugars? And based on these numbers, very specific numbers, I can adjust your medication. And I know which one to give you and which one's going to work and what dose you need to take it at, increase the dose a little bit, decrease the dose a little bit. You've seen all this. When it comes to mental health, it's a little bit more challenging. I think it's a little bit more challenging because I think as we're treating the mind, we're getting a little bit closer to the soul and we're getting a little bit closer to where God is. And what that tells me is that God made us as individuals, and therefore our treatment, our mind, is not going to be working entirely equal in each person. What does that mean? That means that we can both be exposed to similar traumas, to similar situations, but we're going to handle them differently. And therefore the treatment might be different for each individual person. I can't say, Oh, so you had depression two weeks ago. Well, the two week depression medication is such, or the two week anxiety medication is such. I can't do that. I have to take your situation in particular, see where it's at. And then I do have a list of medications. And based on my experience of prescribing them, I can give you the one that I think is going to work best for you. But the challenging part is I can't guarantee that it is going to work for you. This is where the element of faith comes in. If there is no faith in the medication to begin with, then none of the medications are going to work for you. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we're coming back from the break. But keep in mind, there usually is a good medication out there. Welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you for joining us today for the Dr. Sandoval Show. As always, always let our listeners know if you have any questions, anything that you want to share, um, or thoughts on anything, feel free to email me at dr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. Always appreciate our listeners' inquiries and always a pleasure to answer you uh, any questions you might have uh, in terms of mental health, spiritual health, or Physical health. Um, Today, we're talking about having faith, hope, and love, incorporating these virtues into our treatment plan for ourselves. We don't always let the virtues work for us. Sometimes we think that these virtues are great. We think of them, you know, in theory. But the reality is, if I need a drill, I don't want to think of a drill in theory. I want to put it to use. You know, I want to hang up a picture. Well, I'm going to get my drill. I'm going to put it to use. A lot of times, though, my you know, I can't find my drill because I didn't clean up my garage or my tool shed or whatever it is. We need to lead a virtuous life in order to get to these virtues. And I bet you, um, you're going to start to notice these changes. we got to start looking for them. We need to, that's how we need the virtuous life. We start looking for the virtues. Where is this virtue? Um, as we were before the break, I was talking about, uh, prescription medication and how this prescription medication, uh, is important as part of a treatment plan. It's not the end all to end all, but it is very important. And usually there is a medication that's gonna work for you. The question is this, do you have faith in the system? And do you have faith in your doctor? The other question you wanna ask yourself, and this is to my colleagues is, do you feel that your doctor has faith in you? And do you feel that the doctor has faith in the treatment plan he's given you? This is really where faith, you know, the virtue of faith has to work. How do we put it to work? It's a moment where we take a step back and say, look, I listened, for myself anyway, I listened to what you had to say. I have faith that based on what I've studied and what I know, this medication should work for you. I have faith in that. I have faith in this medication. Do you have faith in this medication? Because I guarantee you that if you don't, it's okay. I don't hold that against anybody. If somebody says, doc, I don't want to take medication. It's just not going to work. Even if I think it's going to work, even if I think this is the best treatment ever, if you don't have faith in the treatment or you think it's like it's not going to work, more than likely, it's not going to work. It's kind of like if uh, you know I'm, I want to go date somebody or something, and I think ah oh, they're already going to turn me down. Why should I even ask? Now I already, I'm already defeated before I started. So I got to go in there with a sense of faith or a sense of confidence, use the virtue of faith to say, you know, if this is what God put before me, if God put me in this position to be in front of this physician right now, in front of this psychiatrist, in front of this therapist, and they're recommending this prescription, well, it would be a doctor, right? So a the therapist wouldn't necessarily recommend the prescription, but a psychiatrist or a physician, and they're recommending this pill, they're recommending this medication. I got to I got to have faith in the fact that They're not going to try to harm me. I think they're trying to help me out. I got to see if this medication works. That being said, like I said before, not all medications work the same. Ask about the side effects because some of them can have side effects, but not all patients experience the same side effects. I can prescribe one particular medication to somebody and they might say, this was the worst medication ever. It didn't work. It gave me headaches. It gave me dry mouth. It made me feel awful. It made me nauseous. Okay, that did not work for you. I get it but I can prescribe that exact same medication to the next patient and they might say, this was life-changing. How do I know that it worked because I feel like myself again? We gotta have faith that we're gonna get to that point. For the most part, I would say 85 to 95% of the time, we usually find a medication that works and it doesn't usually take that long, but I realize that when you are suffering, when you're hurting from depression or anxiety, two days a week feels like an eternity. And sometimes we ask you to wait a month right so that can feel like a real eternity but this is where we we got to have faith in the system and with faith we need to apply a little patience with it right so we got to see is that the route i want to go now have you tried a few medications there are occasions where you, somebody's tried multiple multiple medications and nothing seems to work and that seems to be the case for this listener who said you know i've tried many things i feel like a guinea pig we need to take a step back. We've got to have faith in the system. Okay, so if you've already tried many things, that tells me that you've put faith in the system. You've said, you know what, we're going to give it a go. We're going to try something. If you're uh, hesitant about medication, that's okay. It doesn't tell me that you don't have faith in the system. It tells me where your comfort level is and where your fear is because what are the side effects? What if something happens to me? What if uh, this doesn't work for me? And that's fair. Now we've got to take a step back. So we've already put faith in the system and we've decided this is kind of for me. I'm going to try out a few different ones, but it didn't work. Okay, what if I don't want to try medication? Dr. Sandoval, is there any other route? And this is where I think that the virtue of hope comes in. So faith, we got to have faith in the system to begin with. I think that if you're already asking me if there's another route, you have a faith in the system or you have faith that I'm going to give you some good information. But now we got to have hope right? And the hope I see is more, you know, the faith is this is going to take care of me physically. This is how I approach it. I have faith that this is going to help you. This is a pill. It's physical. It's going to help the chemistry in the system in the brain. And it's going to help you feel better. Now I got to have some hope and hope really comes from the inside. This is where I ask people, What do you enjoy? What do you like doing? Do you find any joy? Now, somebody suffering from depression, that could be very hard to find because if all of a sudden depression has eviscerated our motivation and we don't feel like getting up and we don't feel like doing anything, we might not have joy in anything, right? So we might not find that joy in life. Um, I've had a few patients and I had an email, uh, kind of can't find it right now, but I had an email where a patient, uh, the gist of it was Dr. Sandoval. Um, I'm worried about my spouse. It wasn't the the person themselves. It was the spouse who, who was the uh, patient. And they said, one thing that I'm worried about is that they're not acting like themselves anymore. And they're not finding joy in anything in life. We, the idea was that they used to go out as a family with the kids. And now they're worried because the spouse was pretty much just sitting on the couch and it seemed like four hours could go by, but they could tell that for that person time didn't even change time didn't go time didn't pass they were sitting in front of the tv the whole time and it's like time didn't pass for them you know four hours everybody else got things done ran around um you know took care of errands took care of homework clean the house whatever it was that needed to get done for the day but for this person sitting in front of the couch it seemed like time just stood stood still even if four hours went by and that can be very very challenging Because I'm saying, what do you enjoy doing? I'm saying there's got to be some hope in life. There's got to be something to look forward to. Because at the end of the day, all this treatment, all this medication, what is it for? You know, it's so that we can start to feel better, but for what? So that we can start to feel better to lead a selfish life, to focus on life for myself, or so that I can start feeling joy again, to start getting to my end, which is making it to heaven, start praying, start, you know trying to find a better way to get closer to God. So hope has to be incorporated into the treatment plan. And the way it works is this one. If a person can find something that they enjoy doing, they got to put hope in that. They, I got to realize that, you know, if God really gave me joy in gardening, then that's where I know that I'm getting better. I'm going to go out back and gardening and I'm going to start gardening again and doing what I enjoy doing. I'm going to take out the weeds. I'm going to plant some flowers. I'm going to do something. That's what shows me. I have hope right? Because I'm going to start to look at the things that I enjoy doing. If I really enjoy reading a good book, a good story, I'm going to go sit down. I'm going to find a book and I'm going to put some hope into this. I'm going to put hope that God is going to help me heal just by doing the things I enjoy, doing the things where I find them present. For family members who tell me, Doc, my family member is not motivated. They're either laying in bed all day. Sometimes I have to call them to work and let them know they're not coming in. And I I just tell them that they're sick. I don't tell them what's going on because they don't want to know. How can we help each other with hope? Well, one of the ways that we can help each other with hope actually is to take a step back and be honest with our spouses, our friends, our loved ones, and say, look, I know that you're not doing well, but I have hope that you're gonna get better because I need you right now. Our family needs you right now. I have hope that you're gonna be able to get back to those things you enjoy because things work better when you're feeling better. And I'm not saying that I don't love you, that I'm gonna leave you, that I'm gonna leave you high and dry. No, I'm here to help you out. But I also want you to recognize inside that there has to be something that you can hope for and that that's gonna heal. It's amazing when we hope for something how healing that is and I think that that's why it's one of the virtues ultimately we're hoping to get to heaven right that hope is what keeps us going that hope to get to heaven let's say that we're not suffering with mental illness and we're just trying to lead better Christian lives better Catholic lives that hope to get to heaven is really the driving force that gets us through the hard times right life on this earth isn't perfect let's say that you know things aren't going well financially things aren't going well in our relationships, socially What keeps me going? What keeps me in a relationship? What keeps us in a marriage if things go hard? Well, I have hope that this marriage is more than just about me. I'm part of something greater and I'm leading a family towards heaven. This hope is what keeps me driving to say, hey, you know what? Things are going to get better. Things are going to improve. When it comes to mental health, we have to find hope in the fact that something's going to get better. It's amazing what a kind word will do from a family member or from a friend to bring that hope back into somebody's heart, to bring that hope and that life back into somebody. With that hope, all of a sudden, anything is possible. You know, hope is really that that driving force when, when people are first going out and they're starting a date and they say, oh my gosh, this is the, the honeymoon phase of the relationship. Well, that honeymoon phase, that happy feeling, we say, oh, it's because I'm in love. No, it's because I have hope. I mean, part of it, of course, we're in love with the person, but I hope that this relationship moves forward and I have all these dreams about how it's going to move forward and I'm going to make sure that, you know, we're going to build a great life together and I have a dream that we're going to have a big house and that we're going to have a great job and we're going to have a perfect family. You know, these are the things that I hope we have and that hope that driving force is what really brings us all that joy internally. So faith in the system, definitely a virtue. We've got to work that faith that I have faith that somehow in this system, things are going to go well, I have to have hope that even if I'm not going to use medication or things haven't worked out well, there's got to be something there. And I'm very simplistic about that. I say, you know, find something that you normally enjoy. Now, all there are alternative treatments to pills. Yeah, of course there are. That medication, prescription medication is one modality. It's just one modality of treatment, right? It's one, one form of treatment. In the hope part, that's where I always like to refer people to therapy, because this is where we have to have that conversation of looking into ourselves and finding that hope in ourselves. What is really driving us? A lot of patients are afraid to go to therapy. They're afraid to go to therapy because they think that if they talk to a therapist, all of a sudden this therapist is going to find out something more about them that they don't know, or they're going to be able to analyze them and all of a sudden they're going to come upon the idea or the conclusion that this person is a failure. Oh my goodness. They're going to find out that I'm, I feel weak. They're going to find out that I feel insecure. They're going to look at all these things inside of me that I'm afraid of that. I, you know, we put up these walls and I got to put on my mask and I'm not just talking about our mask that we're wearing now, but we got to put on a mask for society because when people ask me, Hey, how are you doing today? They don't really expect an answer. They expect I'm doing fine. I'm doing great. How are you doing? It's a it's a social nicety that we say how are you doing today? If we sat down and really asked somebody how they're doing today and they started to tell us how they're doing, we'd say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, that's a little bit much information. We're not used to that in society." This is why it can be scary to go talk to a therapist because we're not used to really being vulnerable to each other in society. And I think that this is sometimes why relationships can have a hard time, because we're not used to being vulnerable, especially if we're suffering from mental illness because we're afraid of being judged. And that's the bottom line. I don't wanna go to therapy because I don't want somebody to tell me that I'm crazy. I don't want somebody to tell me that I'm a quack. This is where I would tell people, I want you to have hope and realize that one, you're gonna realize that we all have insecurities. We all have moments where we're not feeling good. Even your therapist has insecurities. As a doctor, we can all have insecurities. The idea is that we have to have those moments of truth where we drop those masks for a little while and just have an honest conversation. And that will bring so much more hope in your life and so much more healing to realize that, hey, I'm not alone in this. And we can try it without even taking medication for it. All right. Well, welcome back to the clinic here at the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Thank you for joining us as always. Um, it's great to have our audience with us. It's great for all of our supporters here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. If you have any questions for me, feel free to email me at doctor that's vmpr at gmail.com. Um, Today we're talking about faith, hope, and we're going to talk about love in terms of how do we use these virtues as tools for healing? You know, in the last few weeks, it's important to listen to the voice of people who suffer from mental illness, and we understand that mental illness can cause us to feel very dark in a very low place. Um, But how do we come out of it? How do we even uh, believe that we're going to get better if we don't have faith in the system, if we don't hope that we're going to get better, and if we don't go to love and to the source of love? to get better and we're gonna talk a little bit more about love um, as the show goes on. But right now, one of the things that is important is to recognize I gotta have faith in the system and that's good. Okay, what about this hope part? We've been talking about hope and how a kind word, something can bring hope up to the person. How you know we can try different treatment modalities, we can go to therapy even though it can be kind of scary. Um, some people say, Dr. Sam, what about like acupuncture? What about different things? You know, I would say take a step back and look at why you're going to go to different therapy modalities or different, say, physical activities or, you know, even something like acupuncture. We want to be cautious sometimes because some of these things people swear by and they say they're going to work. Some of these things don't work. Um, And we really want to do our research on that. One, to see what is in line with your faith um, and what does the faith teach about these things. But two, to really see what's the end of my getting treatment in this modality. Is it you know, do I have hope that it's going to get better? Did I hear that somebody else uh, got better from it? Or is it just that I'm going to try something because I'm I'm feeling hopeless at this point and this is something I want to try? There's different reasons for doing that. And if you have any questions about that, feel free to email me uh, on those. One of the things that I want to focus on with hope, though, is that when we're ready to get better, um, there's different things that we're getting better from. And we say mental illness is this blanket umbrella, different treatment modalities are gonna affect different people. One of the things that came up, which was important, and I thought, um, very, very hard to treat because this is where it's not always medication, was the question of abuse. And what have I been the victim of abuse, say, in my childhood, or have I been in abusive relationships? How do I get hope from that? Because, honestly speaking, I can prescribe you medication to help support you, but once we've experienced that, and we have any remnants of, say, PTSD, or anxiety. It's really hard to come to terms with that because now this is something that I'm carrying. And it might be from something that had, I had nothing to do with somebody else might have uh, either violated me or there was any kind of physical abuse, sexual abuse, anything along those lines, or, you know, gosh, I thought I was going to do well. And I joined the military and I wanted to really be patriotic and fight for my country. And then I was at the, at the, uh, front lines of the war and I saw some really hideous things and I'm coming back now and I'm trying to heal from that. I don't know how to do that. Um, how do I heal when it's something that I carry with me now? You know, it's a little bit different from say, oh, I had a depressive episode and, you know, I was very sad because I lost my job or something and now I've got a new job and that's helping me heal. Or I was really anxious because there was a, I got in a car accident, I got rear-ended and then I just couldn't drive for a few months and over time that started to heal. What if we have something much more impactful, something that um, we're carrying with us and we don't know how to let go of because it's something that really violated not just our mind, but really got down to violating our soul. And so this is where I think that we need to take a step back and ask ourselves a few questions. How do I find hope in that, in that situation? Because now I don't feel like I'm worth it. I don't feel like anything's good. The first thing that I tell people when it comes to hope is you have every right to feel how you feel you know, whatever it is that you're feeling at that moment, it's an honest moment. Sometimes it can be hard because if we do, let's say family therapy and we're sitting in a group and somebody and I say, Hey, how are you feeling? And somebody says, well, I feel like, you know, my mom was never there for me, or I feel like my dad did this, or I feel like my sister. Very common for somebody else in another family member in the group to jump up and say, no, that's not true. You know, no, mom was always there for you. You don't know what you're talking about. Or, you know, no, dad didn't do that. It's not true. I think we need to take that step back And listen to what the person is saying. Whatever it is that you're feeling, that's how you feel. Whether it's true or not, whether, you know, we need to, that's where we process that, right? We're always going to challenge our feelings. But first, to be honest about our feelings. This is how I feel. Okay, that's important because you need to feel validated. That's how you feel. But that's the first step you also have to be open to realize that this is how I'm feeling. Why am I feeling this way? Did this really happen or not? Our feelings can be very tricky, you know, and they can actually keep us from having that hope. Because if I always feel like I'm a victim or like I'm less than because something happened to me, then we're, then it's going to be very, very challenging to feel hopeful about the future. And this is where, what it really comes down to. It's okay. If you feel like, you know, I was helpless, I was hopeless. I feel like somebody violated me. I feel like I'm no good anymore. I don't have that sense of self-worth or value, but boy, we better challenge that feeling at this point, right? Because while you feel that way, that's never going to be the truth. That's never going to be the fact. So that would be the first thing that I would say. I would say, whatever you're feeling, it's okay. Feel what you're feeling, but be ready to challenge it. Okay. So because otherwise we're just going to be stuck in that feeling, which may or may not be true, which may or may not be, be, um, while I validate your feeling, it may not be an accurate uh, depiction of, of what's really going on. Um, the other thing is hope has to come up that I am going to feel like myself again. And this is really where I have faith in the in the treatment plan, but I'm going to feel like myself again. I hope that I'm going to feel like myself again, because right now what you're telling me is I don't feel like myself and that's okay. It's okay to not feel like myself. Sometimes what's hard is people don't even know when, and then you're going to ask them, well, what does it mean to feel like yourself? And you don't have to have an answer. You can say, I don't remember. You can say, I don't know. Or you might, you might say, well, I remember that this is the way I normally feel. This is what I enjoy doing. This is where my normal life is. This is where hope has to come in. I hope that I'm going to start to feel like myself. Um, The other thing is I don't have to make excuses for what happened to me. I don't want to hear uh, sometimes people say, oh, I feel really sorry for you. Or I, I can, you know, because this happened to you for the most part is, you know, whether we're suffering through depression or anxiety, I don't think it will, you start to realize is people don't want you to feel sorry for them. You know, if you're a family member or somebody who's dealing with this, the hope comes from somebody telling you, Hey, you know what? Actually, I don't feel sorry for you. No, I don't feel sorry for you at all. I don't like that you're going through this. I can feel bad for you because that happened, but I don't feel sorry for you because you have choices and we can help you out. That's really where hope comes from. Sometimes somebody, will hear that and say, hey, you know what? This person is letting me know that we can move forward with this. You know, you do have choices, but it's up to you. And that's actually very powerful. It's nice to know that we have that choice. That's where the hope comes from for the person, right? So faith in the system, hope is going to be coming from the person. Um, The other thing to remember is that if you were violated, it wasn't your fault, especially as kids, you know, kids have that common feeling that they're going to feel hopeless if there was any, anything that uh, changed their world perspective because they were traumatized, they're gonna feel like it was their fault. You know, uh, they're gonna feel like they did something wrong. If they got yelled at by somebody, if somebody wasn't in a good place, if the abuser is yelling at them, somehow kids are gonna get scared and they're gonna say, I better not tell mom and dad because an adult just yelled at me that means I did something wrong because that's what we're programmed, right? Whereas we go to school, we say, Hey, listen to your teacher. If the teacher gets mad. You know, usually it's because the class is out of line. Everybody's talking. We know that we're, we weren't standing in a straight line. And so we get yelled at whatever the situation is. Um, we get, uh, we, the kid can start to feel like, Hey, this was my fault. They, and they start to lose that sense of hope because then, oh boy, I did something wrong. And so I'm no good. And now I'm going to get in trouble. I say that that's the way kids can react, but guess what happens? As we go through life as adults, we react that way too. I don't want to get in trouble at work. I don't want to say anything because, oh no, I don't want to get in trouble. It's going to be my fault. I don't want to be the person who's at fault. These are the things that will keep us from being hopeful. If I'm suffering from depression, from anxiety, I'm a failure. I can't tell anybody that I'm suffering from this because if I have mental illness, I'm a failure. How do I tell somebody, you know, it's very common Dr. Sandoval, how do I tell somebody if I'm trying to get a job, I have faith in the system, I'm taking medication. I wanna be hopeful to, get a, hopeful to get a job, but guess what? I don't feel whole because on my job application, they're gonna do a drug test and they ask me if I'm taking any medications and I have to put down that I'm taking this medication and I just put down the name of the medication, but it's to help treat my schizophrenia. And when they say, what are you taking this medication for? I don't wanna write down schizophrenia. That doesn't give me hope that they're gonna treat me well right? I have to have hope that they're going to treat me well. I always tell patients, you know, be as discreet as possible, be hopeful about that, but none of this is your fault. It's hard to not feel that way when we're worried that we're going to be judged. If that's the case, if somebody says, Hey, I have to write this down on my job application. What do I do? Um, I always tell them, you know, use general terms, say, you know, this helps my mood, or things along those lines, if the job needs to inquire more, they can always ask the physician or or get a history if needed, depending on the job. But always try to keep yourself uh, as private as possible. Um, The other thing is that if we ever feel like we need to forgive ourselves for something, even if it's something that we didn't do, because a lot of times that's what happens. When people suffer from PTSD, survivors of abuse, any of these things, sometimes they feel like they've done something wrong, and they don't even know how to forgive themselves. And everybody on the outside is going to say, What are you talking about? There's nothing that you have to do to forgive yourself. However, that's challenging the feeling, right? But if the person is truly feeling that way and they're paralyzed by that, then let's walk through the process. Let's say, hey, if you feel like you need to forgive yourself, okay, that's great. But then what do you need to do? What steps, give me some concrete steps because these theories are great, but I want you to have hope. I want you to realize that you are gonna get better. And if this is something you feel you need to do, then give me a logical process. Tell me what is it that you feel you need to do to forgive yourself. And if not, you know, when you come to therapy, this is where therapy is great, even if sometimes we're scared of it, you know, to go there and say, hey, I want to develop some steps to forgive myself. Please help me bounce these ideas off of you that's how basic therapy can be. It doesn't have to be scary. Um, I think it's especially scary for guys because we're not supposed to be vulnerable, right? So if a guy suffers from PTSD or something, I think it's a big deal for uh, some guys out there to say, hey, you know what? I, I think I need to talk to a therapist. Because in our eyes, sometimes it's a sign that I'm weak when the reality is it's like, no, you know, once you're in the know and once you're you're in the situation, it's no, it's actually very healing. It's actually a sign that you're going to get much stronger because you're willing to go in there and look at these things. And guess what? You're going to come out stronger with hope. So we got to make these virtues work for us. If I'm hopeful that something's going to help, I'm not going to worry about what people think about it. I'm hopeful it's going to help. I'm hopeful that I'm going to get better. So guess what? I'm going to try it out. I'm going to try to go to therapy. If I don't like it, I walk away. It's not going to leave a mark on me that I'm weak. And that's one of the things that we worry about. You know, it's going to be stereotypical. Oh, that means I'm weak because I saw a therapist. No, if I'm truly hopeful, I know that whatever it is I do, I can try out. If I don't like it, I move on from it. And that's really the beauty of it. I don't want you to stereotype yourself because of a particular diagnosis. And I don't want you to stereotype yourself for you hole yourself into one particular type of therapy more when we come back all right well welcome back to virgin most powerful radio we are listening to the dr louis sandoval show and i'm your host dr louis sandoval today we are talking about faith hope and love as tools, you know, we hear about them as virtues and we think, oh, there's a great virtues. And we think, sometimes I think when we hear the word virtue, we think that it's something above us. And we forget that these virtues are really tools that we use to strengthen ourselves and to, and to get better um, at things. You know, they say patience is a virtue. Well, when we think about patience, we always some groan, right? We'd say, oh, patience, Ugh, I had to be patient. That's hard. What well, we've got to remember is that patience can be a tool that we use, right? So if I'm patient, I'm gonna learn how to slow things down. I'm going to learn how to wait for things. I'm going to learn how to really anticipate what's coming and not be in such a rush internally. And so we know how to use patience. We have the idea of patience, but when it comes to faith, hope, and love, sometimes I know that it's easy for me to get lost and not realize, Hey, these are tools I got to use. You know, this is something I got to make use of, not something that I just have to ponder and think about. I want to ponder and think about it so I can make use of it. How do we make use of it in terms of our treatment for better mental health, for better physical health? Well, if you've been listening to the show, we've been talking about how one, we got to have faith in the system to a certain level. You know, I've had a lot of patients come to me and say, Dr. Sandoval, you know, I'm here and uh, um, uh, somebody made this appointment for me, but I absolutely do not want medication and and I don't believe in in psychiatry and I just came because somebody told me I had to. You know, if that's the case and that's how you feel, no hard feelings here, it's Okay but what I do let patients know is I say, Oh, well, thank you for coming. Um, I'm not sure that there's much I can do for you because when you came here, uh, you know, um, what I work in is treating people, giving them medication and, and working through the realm of psychiatry. And if that's not what you want, then, you know, you're free, you're welcome to go. And there's not much I can do for you at this point. It would almost be the equivalent of showing up to a mechanic and saying, Hey, I'm here, but, uh, my car really doesn't need anything. I don't want you to fix that, uh, you know, the broken bumper. That's fine. I'm going to drive it the way it is, and I'm going to leave the. You know, the radio doesn't work, but I'm, not, I'm just going to leave it like that. The, um, you know, the power steering, I can still drive it. There's no power steering in the car, um, but I really don't want you to fix it. I don't believe in fixing any of this. Or, Okay, that's fine. You can drive the car that way. It's not a problem. If you feel that there's some improvements that need to be done, that's what we're here for, and there's ways that I can do that. Now, if you say, no, I think that there's other ways that I can fix it. I'm going to go do it myself. I'm going to find a different uh, way to fix it other than a traditional mechanic. That's great too, you know, because this is where faith, hope, and love comes in. You want to have faith in the system. If you don't feel like you're going to get help from a psychiatrist, it's okay. Are there alternatives out there? Sure. I hope that you have hope. See, as we talk about hope, use that hope. I have hope that this is going to work for me. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to use this hope. I have faith in the system. I'm going to hope that I'm going to get better. And these are going to be the keys really to starting to get better. And notice that I say starting because this is where we barely start to get better. Um, It's kind of like when we go to confession, you know, we're in the middle of Lent and we're thinking about sacrifice and we're thinking about going to confession. And all of a sudden we go to confession and we feel that we do our confession. We feel like, ah, I feel so much better. You know, I've, I've been forgiven of my sins and now I can, you know, I feel good. Sometimes we think that we just accomplished something and when in a way we did, obviously we went and we got our sins forgiven, but guess what? Now it's where we can start because the start of the, of the spiritual life, the start of towards sainthood is when we stop sinning. That's where we start. That's the starting line, you know? So this is where it gets very challenging because on our way to heaven, we're looking for perfection. We're looking to get better. I bring this up because the last virtue that we have to use, the last virtue that we have to use as a tool for ourselves is love. How do we use love as a tool? What I usually tell my patients is this. Look, you're gonna come and you're gonna get medical treatment. You're gonna get treatment for the body, right? I'm gonna give you pills or I'm gonna give you prescriptions and you're gonna take these tablets and they're gonna work within the body's chemistry. And so in the physical realm, that's that's really how that works, okay? I have faith in that system. Now we're gonna treat the mind. And this is where the hope comes in. When you have hope, when you feel the hope, when you, it's going to put the mind in a very positive mindset where it's going to want to go do things. Okay. So hope is going to want to do things. The last part is love. And what, where does love come from? Where, what's the source of love? We have to know that the source of love is God. At the bottom line, this is where I can't prescribe love, but I can tell you, how do I use love as a tool to get better? This is where we have to turn to Christ. Do we believe in the blessed sacrament? Do we believe in doing a holy hour? Do we get pumped up, as Terry says, about doing a holy hour? Um, I hope so, because we have to believe that it's going to work and that it's going to be treatment. So what I'm asking my listeners is this. You don't have to suffer from mental illness. If you do suffer from mental illness, you can also join in on this. And if you don't suffer from mental illness, you can join in on this. And if anybody wants to do this, I, I would, uh, it's a challenge I'm sending out to my listeners right now. And this is the challenge. The challenge is that spiritually, we all need healing. So, and this is trickles down, right? So if we do spiritual healing, we're going to feel better. We're going to have that hope. We're going to have that faith. And we're going to have that love. The spiritual healing is going to come from working on the treatment and the prescription is going to be love. The prescription I'm giving is this. I want everybody to go to do a holy hour. So this is what I'm going to start doing. I'm going to make time to do a holy hour every week, just once a week. I'm not saying, I'm not even saying every day you can do more if you want. But I want you to go out and do a holy hour every week. And this is what we're going to document. We're going to scientifically document this, this treatment, this therapy. And I want to get emails from any of our listeners who want to do this. And this is the challenge part of the treatment plan faith, hope, and love. Let's look at love as a treatment because we all need this. We do the holy hour every week, but with the expectation, and this is what Christ expects from us because we expect from Him, with the expectation that there's going to be a change in our life, there's going to be something in our lives, there's going to be something positive. I'm not saying we're not going to have sacrifices or struggles, but this is what we're going to document. We're going to say, Hey, the first thing I'm going to document is how am I feeling as I'm going to this holy hour? What day is it going to be? Pick a day of the week. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't even have to be the same day every week. It just has to be once a week on average that I'm going to do a holy hour. Okay. One, how do I feel as I'm going to this holy hour? And we can be honest about this. We can say, Hey, I'm really feeling like I don't even want to be there. I'm really feeling like I don't even believe that it's Jesus right now. I'm really feeling like this is just a joke. I'm really feeling like, you know, this is no good. Or I'm feeling excited. I'm actually looking forward to going to the holy hour. I'm looking forward to sitting in front of Christ. I really do believe today that this is Christ. I'm going to sit there and I really do believe um, that I have faith in the system. This is where the faith comes in, right? We're going to go to the doctor. We're going to go to the doctor of love, of true love. So once a week, on average, So, which means that if you miss a week, don't get down on yourself. Then next week, try to make it up with two holy hours, but we're going to go to Christ. We're going to go in front of the tabernacle. If there is an exposition for an hour, we're going to do that. Um, If somebody says, Dr. Sandoval, all my churches are closed. I don't know how to do this holy hour. I can't get in front of the blessed sacrament right now. Um, You know, I would say, gosh, if you could sit in the parking lot, the closer we can get to this the better. Or if not, we're just going to do a spiritual communion for an hour. It's the dedicated hour that we're going to spend time with Christ. I want to see how much this is going to heal our lives. So the first thing is we're going to do this holy hour on average. The second thing is we're going to start to document. And we're going to document one, how do I feel as we're doing this holy hour? How do I feel as I'm going into this holy hour? What's my emotion like? Then we're going to document after the holy hour, what am I feeling now? It doesn't have to be a big essay. It can be one sentence, two sentence, two words. What am I feeling after I do this holy hour? And then during the week before we do the holy hour, so the next holy hour comes around. How did my last week go? Was there anything good? Did anything change? Was there anything challenging? Did I, was I able to, you know, come to situations where normally I would feel depressed. Normally I would feel anxious and now it got better. Or am I suffering from schizophrenia? Am I hearing things? Am I seeing things? Am I believing things that aren't there? And guess what? As I'm able to do this Holy Hour to the extent that I can, you know, have my symptoms improved actually. And I could say, wow, the medication helped. Sure. Maybe I changed my medication up and maybe that's part of what I needed. Maybe during this Holy Hour, God inspired me to change my medication or inspired my physician to help me change my medication. Maybe he gave him more insight into this. I'm going to have faith in this and I'm going to hope that by me going and using the virtue of love, that I'm gonna get better. So the other thing is, what if all of a sudden we say, well, no, you know, Dr. Sandoval, the, uh, the, I'm worried about my husband, I'm worried about my wife, I'm worried about my friend, and they're not doing well. And um, what what can I do about that? Well, guess what, you're gonna do the Holy Hour for them. And what I want you to document is, do I notice any improvement in their lives? And do I notice any improvement in my life too? Because God recognizes that we're a family. God knows, Jesus knows that you know, we're, we interact with each other. We're in the communion of saints here. We do this together. And this is the real test. This is like our scientific test of Christ. Christ, is this really going to happen? Is this, is this going to improve things? Is this medication of me going to a holy hour, going to improve my life? I have faith in the system. I have hope that things are going to get better through this therapy. And I'm hoping to do this by the tool of love, right? So the source and the summit, if we start with love, if we start with doing this holy hour, I'm anticipating that I'm gonna to get to that summit, that I, that things are gonna get better. What I want is for all of our listeners, if you're gonna take this challenge on, I'm gonna take this challenge on, and we need a, a time to do this, I would say, let's try it for three months. Can we do that? Can we do three months of a holy hour once a week with I want to see results? I'm, I'm gonna see results. It's kinda of like when we, when people go to the gym and they say, give us 12 weeks, right? And we're gonna see results. Um, And you're, you're gonna see results. Now they don't say, give me one week. They don't say, give me two weeks. And they don't say, it's gonna feel good at first but eventually what happens you're going to get energy when i prescribe medication to patients i say hey give me a month you know don't don't take it for a day or two now granted if there's major side effects or something of course you don't want to keep taking that medication we want to change it up but this is a little bit different i don't anticipate any negative side effects from going to the holy hour or do i did i experience people getting mad at me did i experience any kind of negativity do i feel like there's any negative forces that are trying to keep me from doing this document that as well. What I'm going to be doing is every show for the next three months, I'm going to give a little update as to my experience with it. And I hope that you can email me with some of your experiences with it. If I don't get any emails. That's okay. I'm still going to do it. And I want to see what this does for us. What does this does for us in terms of our spiritual life, in terms of our physical health, in terms of our mental health, because we can say, gosh, I haven't been diagnosed with any mental illness. Well, that's fine, but how do we know that we don't, you know, are we always in a perfect mood all day? Not that we need perfect moods, but are we always feeling our best or might this help improve that? Might this help put different things in motion in our lives? If I'm worried because, you know, my husband is down, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do the holy hour, whether it be a spiritual communion holy hour, whether it be that all I can do is sit in the parking lot of the church holy hour, or whether it be that I can actually go into the church and sit in front of the tabernacle for an hour type of holy hour. I want my husband to get better. I want my wife to get better. I know that they need therapy or something. And I'm going to do this as a sacrifice for them. I want to see improvement in them. It might not be that they naturally just all of a sudden one day wake up and say, Hey, I'm feeling that much better. Um, it could be, but it could be as simple as, Hey, guess what? They found the therapist. They they got the right treatment or for somebody who's doing it personally, gosh, I found the right medication. Now I'm feeling better. I think we need to have the virtues work for us. I wanna have faith in the system, not just of our doctors, but I gotta have faith that God is is in my life working all this. I'm gonna have faith that God is putting doctors and treatment in my path. That's gonna help me feel better. I'm gonna have hope in this. I I hope that things are gonna improve, but the way I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna start with love. I'm gonna start with the holy hour. I'm gonna go sit in he who is in front of he who is love himself and get this going. I'm curious to see what'll happen. I really wanna try this for three months. I want to hear from our listeners to see if anybody's willing to take this challenge and try it on for three months, because I think that we need to put our virtues to work, and I think we need to put faith in our Catholic faith. This is going to bring us faith, hope, and love. Make sure you email me with any results, and we'll see you here at the clinic next time. I hope you're having a great Lent, and today I think I'm going to go start my first holy hour for this challenge. Until next week.